The following podcast is presented by Ensign Services, Inc., a company engaged in the business of providing contracted for administrative and back office type support services to post-acute healthcare clients. Ensign Services provides accounting, human resources, compliance, legal, risk management, information technology, training, construction support, and other such miscellaneous services to its clients. These contracted for services are available to be utilized at the sole discretion of its clients. References within the podcast to the company and its activities, as well as the use of the terms we, us, its, our, and similar terms used during the discussion are not meant to imply that Ensign Services, Inc. or the Ensign Group, Inc. has any direct operational control, supervision, or direction of the independently operated post-acute healthcare entities. Brian, it's good to be back with you here again. I know it's good to be back with and you. And you're chewing bubble gum, well, so I, bubba. I, I actually, I was chewing it until oh, we started recording because I wouldn't want these poor people oh. to have to listen to me exactly doing that. But yes, I'm but a big hubba fan. Bubba, I used to try and blow yeah. those bubbles as yeah. big as I could. I still, I, think... I still do that to this day. I've got a whole stack of them on my desk right now. So, so you, do you eat multiple? No, one, bubbles? one, one's enough. Okay. But it's, it's surprising how many people when they run across are delighted to see it. Like I was had yeah. a meeting with Barry yesterday, and it's he, like he saw the hubba bubba in there and was as delighted as I was and immediately grabbed a piece. Enjoy it. So if you ever want some hubba bubba, anybody listening, come on down. Ryan rushed them. Yeah, send, send me a note. I'll send you some. So yeah, it's great to be here again with you today. I know we're, we're here today to talk a bit about moments of truth. Yeah. And really, um, I was thinking that our, our mission states that, that through moments of truth, we will dignify post-acute care, really, in a, uh, really any other service that we provide yeah, yeah, in, in the eyes of the business world. Ventures, yeah. Exactly. So, Clay, can you start by helping us understand what, what a moment of truth is and, and maybe even why it stands at the crux of our mission statement? Yeah, let's start with the definition because I think we get this wrong a lot. A, a moment of truth is, it, it, its basic statement is, it's an ordinary event that's mm-hmm. met with an unexpected act of service, right? A, an mm-hmm. extraordinary amount of service. So right. it's not, let's start with what it's not, because sometimes moments of truth are submitted and then they say, she shows up all the time and she always has a smile mm-hmm. or he just always goes the extra mile with his efforts. Like mm-hmm. they're destri- they're describing great attributes. Right. But what it is, is it's the laundry worker who in a moment sees torn clothes of one of our residents Mm -hmm. and decides to take it home and patch it up. Right. Like it's something extra that they do. And yeah, not being asked. It's, it's the maintenance, maintenance supervisor. I I love this one that goes out to, to clear off the snow of family members, windshields as they're visiting loved ones. Obviously was not in California. (laughs) Right. But, but but I mean, just they, they're like, Hey, how else can I help? It's that, it's that added step that goes beyond expectations because if you think about it, and this, this point is really important to me, okay. we've always said that our competition is not other facilities. Other, I mean, we you never in our meetings hear no. us talking about any other organization like, in honestly, this space. Honestly, right? never. I have we, not They're ever, not yeah, our competition. Not. Our competition is the mental image inside everyone's head of how they think they should be treated in any situation. Okay. Right? It's I'm in this, I'm admitting someone, I expect to be treated with kindness and respect. Right. And those are just the expectations. And a moment of truth is how we beat that competition because we beat that expectation. Okay. That that makes sense. And so that's why we say that it's through moments of truth that we're going to start to have people really see our industries with dignity, right? Yeah. I mean, 
our industry is hard. Right. I honestly don't think I would do this for any other organization yeah. in this industry. Yeah. The regulations, the lawsuits, I, you hear me say that the customer that doesn't want to be your customer, right. they'd rather be, right. home be home and sure. happy and healthy. And there's a lot pushing against us and, and people have expectations of how they should be treated. I mean, right. If we're serving them, they expect a smile. They expect courtesy. They expect empathy. They expect you to be on time. If you don't right. meet those things, then you've not met their expectations, yeah. right? Yeah. But we don't surpass those expectations by simply doing those important things. Right, we're just meeting them then, yeah. Yeah, but when we do the unexpected, no matter how small, that's how we beat the competition. So my okay. dad, I remember learned this. I remember him talking about this concept, and I think it was SAS Airlines, which is Scandinavian Airlines, okay. many decades ago. And he recalled an interview with their CEO, and he was asked what they considered to be their greatest asset. Okay. And, it, you know, you'd think, well, their airplanes or right. their contracts and their terminals or he said by far their greatest asset was the compilation of millions of small moments of truth uh, that his employees provide to the uh, customer that's awesome and that always resonated with him and i i i believe i i'm not sure i could validate with christopher that that's what's behind the inspiration of what we set out to provide in this sort of all too difficult industry. It's a hard industry. No, it, it is. That's that's really interesting. I didn't didn't. Uh, that's that's really neat. That that's where it came from. Yeah. Um, and I've I've heard you say, and and I think you're quoting Stephen Covey when you say it that frustration is a function of expectation. Yeah. So, if you if you have an expectation yeah. and you don't meet, that's where frustration comes in. So it's determining that expectation. So so when you say your competition then is their expectation, that that makes sense to me. Uh -huh. Or when we say our competition is yeah. their expectation, that makes sense to me. Uh, when, when we fail to meet it, they're frustrated. When we surpass it, that exactly. really is the moment of truth for us. Exactly. And, and so really one of my favorite memories of, of your father is the story that he used to tell of the cab driver. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know in the portal we have a video of him telling the story yeah. under resources, leadership, uh, leadership resources and moments of truth. And yeah. I've watched it a number of times and really enjoy it. But maybe share that story for us. I, I think you'll do a better sad. job telling it than me, I'm sure. There's a lot of people <laughs> that don't know this story. Man, I mean, we just finished the boot yeah. camp and I said, who knows the story of the cab driver? And there's, you know, a few people scattered mm -hmm. here and there. It's a great story. So this is this is the testimonial. And so I, I'm reading this okay. uh, if, if you're listening, but but just kind of sit back, you know, dim the lights <laughs> unless you're driving uh, and, 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 and listen to this story. To the road. So this cab driver said, I drove the night shift. So my cab became a moving confessional. Passengers climbed in, sat behind me in total anonymity and told me about their lives. I encountered people whose lives amazed me. They ennobled me and they made me laugh and sometimes weep. But none touched me more than a woman I picked up late one August night. I was responding to a call from a small brick fourplex in a quiet part of town. I assumed I was being sent to pick up some partiers or someone who had just had a fight with a lover or a worker heading to an early shift at some factory in the industrial part of town. When I arrived at 2.30 a.m., the building was dark, except for a single light in a ground floor window. Now, under these circumstances, many drivers would just honk once or twice, wait a minute, and then drive away. But I had seen too many impoverished people who depended on taxis as their only means of transportation. So unless the situation smelled of danger, I always went to the door. This passenger might be someone who needs my assistance, I reasoned to myself. So I walked to the door and knocked. Just a minute, answered a frail, elderly voice. 
I could hear something being dragged across the floor. And after a long pause, the door opened. A small woman in her 80s stood before me. She was wearing a print dress and a pillbox hat with a veil pinned on it, like something out of a 1940s movie. By her side was a small nylon suitcase. The apartment looked as if no one had lived in it for years. All the furniture was covered with sheets. There were no clocks on the walls, no knickknacks or utensils on the counter. In the corner was a cardboard box filled with photos and glassware. Would you carry my bag out to the car, she said. So I took the suitcase to the cab and then returned to assist the woman. She took my arm and we walked slowly toward the curb. She kept thanking me for my kindness. It's nothing, I told her. I just try to treat my passengers the way I would want my mother treated. Oh, you're such a good boy, she said. <laughs> when we got to the cab, she gave me an address, then asked, could you drive through downtown? I answered quickly, it's not the shortest way. She said, oh, I don't mind. I'm in no hurry. I'm on my way to a hospice. I looked in the rearview mirror. Her eyes were glistening. I don't have any family left, she continued. The doctor says I don't have very long. I quietly reached over and shut off the meter. What route would you like me to take, I asked. For the next two hours, we drove through the city. She showed me the building where she once worked as an elevator operator. We drove through the neighborhood where she and her husband had lived when they were newlyweds. She had me pull up in front of a furniture warehouse that had once been a ballroom where she had gone dancing as a girl. Sometimes she would ask to slow in front of a particular building or corner and would sit staring into the darkness saying nothing. As the first hint of sun was creasing the horizon, she suddenly said, I'm tired, let's go now. We drove in silence to the address she had given me. It was a low building, like a small convalescent home with a driveway that passed under a portico. Two orderlies came out to the cab as soon as we pulled up. They were solicitous and intent, watching her every move. They must have been expecting her. I opened the trunk and took the small suitcase to the door. The woman was already seated in a wheelchair. How much do I owe you? She asked, reaching into her purse. Nothing, I said. Oh, you have to make a living, she answered. There are other passengers, I responded, almost without thinking. And then I bent over and gave her a hug, and she held on to me tightly. She then said, you gave an old woman a little moment of joy. Thank you. I squeezed her hand and then walked into the dim morning light. Behind me, a door shut. It was the sound of a closing of a life. I didn't pick up any more passengers that shift. I drove aimlessly, lost in thought. For the rest of that day, I could hardly talk. And then listen to these questions that he asked. He says, what if that woman had gotten an angry driver or one who was impatient to end his shift? What if I had refused to take the run or had honked once and then driven away? On a quick review, I don't think that I have done anything more important in my life. <laughs> it's awesome. Right? That, that small story. moment. That and he says, he says, we're conditioned to think that our lives revolve around great moments. But great moments often catch us unaware. It's not like we get dressed ready for a great right, moment. Right. They are beautifully wrapped. There are these little moments that are beautifully wrapped in what others 
may consider small moments. That's that's awesome. And it wasn't a grand thing that he right. did. It was a small right. thing. And I, I know we have these stories throughout our organization, yeah. Ryan, and I, I wanted to ask you what what are some stories, and we can kind of just share with each other, what are some of the great moments of truth that you know of in yeah. this organization? No, I'll, I'll share some. And, and you know, I, I love when we do have different locations, facilities, capture those stories and, and sort of send them in to share so that we can read and see and hear about all those different moments of truth that are happening. And, and I, I guess one of my favorites is one I just happened to catch myself at an acquisition. It was a few years back when we acquired Rock Canyon and it was on mm. New Year's Eve. It was a really snowy, cold, cold day. And mm. throughout the day of the acquisition, I was there and had a number of times had run across one of the residents who was in a wheelchair and, and obviously had some some dementia and was, mm -hmm. was just generally confused and, did, you know, just seemed fairly unhappy. And um, as the day turned into evening and, and it got night turned into getting closer to, to you know, midnight, uh, I was about 10, 30, 11 or so at night. I was walking through the facility and, and saw uh, one of the CNAs who had been uh, off of her shift for hours at that point um, with her husband um, sitting, you know, out in the sort of the lobby area, just patiently waiting on New Year's Eve while it was mm. snowing outside. She was just sitting there holding the hand of the, the elderly lady, the resident, and just giving her comfort and the sort of the smile and peace that I saw on the resident's mm. face when she, there was just this person who went out of her way. Nobody was looking. Nobody was paying attention hours after her shift on New Year's Eve with her family, you know, waiting to spend New Year's Eve with her crazy snowstorm outside. Ordinary moment. Just ordinary moment. By just, an extraordinary, yeah, exactly. but again, small. It didn't cost any no, money. It no. didn't. It, and, and that happened years ago. And I have such a vivid memory of that still. And when, mm. whenever uh, I need a moment of, of inspiration, when I'm tired, I think about what, what that CNA went through just on all yeah. of her own accord. It was to me yeah, one of the I'm amazed at seen. those. I, I've, I've seen, um, I've seen social workers that, you know, sometimes the, the residents they have will be homeless outside of right. the, the facility. And and uh, there have been some that don't have any knowledge of family members. I know of one that went to great lengths to find family members. I think they were in El Salvador and I, I might be messing up the wow. story, but they they finally were able to connect. And it was they were able to connect him with family before he passed away. Wow. And just you you think of that extra effort that goes into it or a social worker that or maybe this was a CNA that, that put on a prom for the residents. <laughs> That's awesome. It might have been in Tucson. I, I want to say Sabino Canyon, but 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 where they put on a prom for the residents and and they were like, what a neat thing. And that's, yeah. that's a little bit more of an act. Of yeah, service. no, it's a significant, yeah, there's, there's, I think one, one of the ones I, I really love is there's a story about one of, again, one of the residents who uh, really wanted to be the flower girl for, for yeah. ultimately her, her granddaughter's wedding. And that she just kept talking about it and was motivated by it. And was they, she able they, to get out they, and make they, that Yeah, happen? there are a couple of, a couple of uh, CNAs and folks at the facility helped uh, get her dressed up, but went dressed to the wedding as well, took her down there. And really the friends and family apparently cried and cheered as as, <laughs> as Nana, as they called her, ro rolled down and was throwing out flowers and got to be the flower girl for her, for her wedding. Awesome. It's a really rad story. I know one too. And I think, I think this one resonates me with me because of uh, my dad. And, and when he was, 
when he was passing away, mm-hmm. music was something that that would kind of light him up, and so oh, we were we were trying to work to get into a playlist of of things that we knew just sort of lit him up. And mm-hmm. I I know I read a story then of a dietary aide that would go in and sing Christmas carols and gospel music to this woman that was on hospice. Oh, that's awesome. Now that's not in the dietary aide's job, <laughs> not at all, not right? At all. And yeah. it might even be awkward, but they knew it meant something. And I just think, oh, that those are the things. Like what that must mean to the family to help make them feel kind of alive. Yeah, I, it's, it's when I hear those stories, they're just they're inspiring to me. I, I, another one that I guess kind of just touched me, just based on my own personal experiences in life, was that um, a resident had, had passed away, and her sister came to pick up the belongings. And, mm-hmm. and when she was there to pick up the belongings, she you know wanted to talk to the administrator, find out who was person by the name of Willie was. And uh, Willie was apparently like a night CNA who mm-hmm. um, had really touched the life of the the resident who had passed away so much so that the sister wanted to meet Willie and actually asked Willie to be the pallbearer for for mm. her for her sister during the sort of funeral services. And obviously he was <laughs> beyond touched and and went and did that. But to, to have that, that level of an impact on somebody such that their family invited him to come down and play that meaningful of a role in, in that ceremony was was just yeah. touching. Yeah, look, if if this is so our mission is through moments of truth, through right. all these experiences right. that we've just said, we are to dignify long-term care in the eyes of the world. And I feel like we as leaders, we as partners, this needs to start at interviews. Right. Right? right. Like when if right. I'm interviewing people, we should be asking questions that that kind of help us determine are you a moment of truth waiting to happen, <laughs> that's, right? That's a good point. So, so because, I, I mean, think about how your questions, if if I'm looking for a moment of truth, I'm asking questions in an interview like, tell me the nicest thing you've ever done for someone. That's interesting, yeah, that's if, interesting. It, like, just in general, yeah. If, if it's hard for them to think of one, hmm. but if they're just rattling off experiences, <laughs> I'm thinking, okay, you're somebody that this is a common occurrence. Or share a story with me that, that shows your compassion right. or... Or in prior jobs, have you ever been recognized in some special way? Like, tell me, I'm probing to see if this person's going to be, like I say, a moment of truth waiting to happen. That's just a great question to ask during during the interview process. I guess I'd also yeah. like to point out uh, that it's crucial that, that we really be teaching our current people and our new people the, the vision behind moments of truth, you know, consistently. Because often I do hear people talk about our mission statement of, Dignifying Dignify, long-term care. But they the forget the, the beginning part of through moments, moments of truth. Of truth. That's We've how we're doing We've got to be hammering this home. We've got to be in our all staff meetings, in our stand-up meetings. If we're failing to teach and inspire about moments of truth, in particular, in orientation. Right, right, right. Um, I would, I in the portal, like you pointed out, I would go to that video. I'd click on it where it talks about moments of truth. And you listen to Roy Christensen talk about that cab driver. Right. But if we're not giving them this vision, I feel like we're failing as leaders. This is essential to our mission. Now, and, and I really love that this is at the crux of our mission. Um, wh- one of the ways I like to measure my life is based on the impact that I that I have on others. Um, and moments of truth really seem to be the way to do that. That, that falls in line with the Ubuntu concept. Uh, I am because we are. And, and really, that's our, our greatest success comes from elevating others and those around us. It is. I think, I think we're all kind of that way, whether we mm-hmm. realize it or not. We all want to have that feeling like we have an impact on others. I I have a video and I I should have looked at this to verify what it was, but it was somebody that that helped out a lot of um 
prisoners in a concentration camp. Okay. And he was at this meeting, you know, many, many decades later, mm. and they didn't know that they were recognizing him. And apparently oh, wow. everyone around him were the descendants of people whose lives he had saved. Oh, and they all give him wow. this stand. And he's looking around going, <laughs> wait, that's what? Crazy. What is this? And and the impact that he had, and they're just, their tears in their eyes and just saying, because of your efforts, yeah. our lives were saved. Our, I, Look, I think we add our greatest value by being moments of truth to each other. Forget forget at work. I mean, right. don't forget at work. Do it at work. <laughs> but but at home and with right. each other and and by taking ordinary moments and learning to respond to them through extraordinary acts of service, we start to bring dignity to our industries. The irony is is that, you know, you said I I want to have an impact on others. When we become expert at helping others get what they want, when mm -hmm. we're really good at helping other people be successful, mm -hmm. that's when we become really successful. And you just stated that. You said, if I have an impact on them, I consider myself successful. Right, right. So be a moment of truth to someone else. There's, there's the expected response, and then there's the response that surpasses that expectation, right. like the cab driver, like the examples we shared there might not be anything more important that you do in your life than these small moments of truth. And again, one last time, <laughs> it is through moments of truth that we're going to dignify long-term care or whatever industry we're in, in the eyes of the world. No, thank you, Clay. This subject is one of my favorite and, like you mentioned, most important to really talk about and dive into and, and is quite honestly rewarding. So. Yeah, it's a simple one. It's not it's not rocket science that <laughs> right. we've been discussing <laughs> right. here. But I mean, if if anybody listening is just thinking, I want to I want to look for these moments because they catch us unawares. Right. I want to look for these moments and I want to find opportunities to do just a little bit more. And imagine if 35,000 employees start doing, doing that. that. Yeah. It's amazing what we can accomplish. Agreed. Thank you, Clayton. Thanks. Thanks.